1: might not be glad that you did.
0: There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people see if they can become something more. That we Welcome to Furious Finest, a podcast for the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris
1: Bruffett. How are we doing today, Chris? Well, Jesse, it's the best time of the year. It's spooky season. And, you know, here on Furious Finest, we like to get a little spooky with the season. And uh, I think last year we did our Werewolf by Night little kind of... Mini review. Look back, review, and a little bit on the comic history. Yeah, a little bit of lore on Werewolf by Night, right? And yeah, 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 yeah. And this year, we've got something cooked up. We're going to talk about some goblins. But first, Jesse, you are recently back from your trip to WTC. This is our first episode since your return. Yep, with many more (laughs) plans. I hope so. (laughs) We're not going to uh, get into WTC too hard right here. Those are going to be some future episodes. But how was the trip, man? Just a real quick, like... How much fun did you have? So much
0: fun. The trip was amazing. I think something you and I talked about too, before I left on the pod and off mic, sometimes these trips that you kind of didn't expect to do, and you're doing on an incredibly low budget are more fun. I mean, obviously you're more limited in a massive
1: way, but it worked. We've both been in punk bands. We know how much fun being cheap (laughs) can be.
0: Yeah, it's exactly nailed it. Yes. So it's the Jamicano baby Jamicano. Exactly. It's that DIY punk lifestyle where it's like, yeah, sometimes you just get in a van and go places. Right. And you'll, you'll figure it out along the way. But I mean, I've got to thank the listeners and friends and family. Once again, anyone that donated to my GoFundMe because every dollar went to this trip. So awesome, dude. Got me there and like i said i did it on the cheap and a big part of that that was really helpful which we'll talk about more in the after dark and our wtc primary episode very soon but it's like the con itself okay yeah it was pricey at the end of the day well you lay out the money amounts and stuff but at the end of the day it actually wasn't if you really uh, american cons if you factored in your hotel your con price all your food all your water your coffee etc it would be more than wtc because wtc was all inclusive So essentially from the moment, you know, it started, it was Saturday and Sunday and you could pay varying levels of like rooms. Like you could get there Saturday, you get there Friday, et cetera. Right. So we got there Friday, paid for our room Saturday and Sunday. But additionally with that Saturday and Sunday, all three meals of the day were covered.
1: Yeah. And you know, um, everybody, you guys should go listen to Jesse on the Danger Room. The That's the right. whole his whole team kind of roundtable discussion, kind of unpacked WTC from a team perspective. Very cool stuff. Very interesting talk about the draft and uh, list building and everything. But also uh, something Sploosh said on there really kind of stuck out to me. He said this compared to an American Con, this felt like an all inclusive kind of resort. <laughs> yeah. It, and it, that just, I mean, that, that brought a smile to my face, made me chuckle a little bit, but also, you know, sounds just really awesome and sounds like a big stress relief from the having yes. to, uh, okay. Now I have to find a cheap, a cheap meal. I can't yes. think about the next round. I can't hang out with my team. I gotta, I gotta find my cheap fuel. I've got to find and it's uh, never cheap. caffeine. It's not, ne- <laughs> no, you're brother. dropping like 15, it
0: 20 is, bucks for. A cheap meal, I say in quotes, with a a drink, right? Unless you can find a nice grocery store that has a good deli close. That's the secret. But yeah, you factor in those commutes, you factor in your round timer. This type of stuff, you know, it's kind of hard to beat. I mean, we had the same thing at Lone Star Open where it's like, it's so hard to beat a con that is literally in the same place you're you're
1: staying. Yeah, dude. Right? Like lodging. Like that's a game changer. I have experienced that for the first time with this podcast and with MCP and I don't think I can go back. Right. Like the commutes like sometimes people would do daily commutes to the con hall. Yeah, just
0: traffic, You know, walking.
1: Yeah, showing, showing up just in time. You miss out on so much fellowship with your fellow players and, yeah. and con goers and friends that you went with. You're not as rested. Yeah, and you're definitely not as rested. Yeah, man, I, I don't know that I can go back. I will if I have to. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But anytime I can, if I can stay where the con is happening, I will do it.
0: Absolutely. So... All that's to say massive pros in WTC's camp and obviously the major expense is the flight and getting to the country early where you can yeah. recover from the jet lag and paying for like housing or, you know, hotel or whatever for the days leading up to the actual con, like to be ready, right? Because the jet lag was definitely unreal on the way up, but much better on the way back, right? As as you'd yeah. imagine. And so, yeah, we're going to be talking more about the trip in the coming episodes and and of course the bonus feed a lot too but it was it was amazing and um you know to bring it full circle too the all-inclusive thing was a game changer but also like it was my favorite tournament i've ever played and i've played in so many tournaments because mm-hmm. it was like so the team format meeting the world format there was a level of camaraderie and just like you know, it was it was a good feeling it was like a world peace type thing which i you know yeah. i'm all about and it's like oh, it's yeah. just, it was very much like Everyone here is from a different nation, but everyone's working together as a team, but also everyone's getting along and there's no, there's no tilt. There's no disagreements. It's just really high level MCP with people. You never would have had the opportunity to play before outside of TTS. Absolutely. So it's amazing. Yeah. I had a great run with the
1: game and I think the format's really good too. So we'll talk about that coming up, but I mean, I'm excited to dive into that. There's a lot to unpack with strategy and gamesmanship. Insane With this with this format. But at the same time, how many times are we going to see it? I don't know if WTC continues to be uh, such a rousing success with the MCP community. I think you it will. might start seeing this team format in other places. We'll see. Yeah. We had 32 competitive teams and they're looking to bump that
0: up to 64 next year. And mm.
1: just oh, insane get my passport right. in order.
0: <laughs> right. So uh, it's very exciting. And I think it's a really bright future for our game system within that community. I like to see WTC expand just in general. So, but Chris, you did mention we're in spooky season today.
1: Oh yeah. I forgot. We got to be scared. My favorite time of the year.
0: (laughs) Halloween's really big with my family. I'm doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of stuff this week in relation to it. And uh, it's always fun. I like, I'm always in charge of making our costumes for the family and stuff. So (laughs) I always have fun with that. It's a, it's a creative outlet I get to do every year. So yeah, this, this season's absolutely wonderful. And a part of Marvel we've talked about a lot On this show off and on that comes up more than you would think is the horror elements in Marvel, which I absolutely adore. Not even just the horror, it's the strange, you know what I mean? This kind of sci-fi tinge.
1: We're talking, we're getting a little horror today. We're getting some, we're getting some Halloween theme. Love it. We're also getting a descent into madness, a little psychological thriller here too. Hmm my absolute favorite so but before we do that and talk about all these goblins today we got some people to thank fury's finest is supported by mr laser go to mr-laser.square.site for all of your marvel crisis protocol needs and do not forget please use the fury's finest discount code fury5
0: Yeah. And I I don't know if it was clear from our last episode, but I mean, we did talk about a lot of different products, but I mean, at the end of the day, we continue to say it. Mr. Laser's our number one because he's our OG and just worked with us directly. Yeah. You might say we got a thing going on. Yeah. We have a thing and, you know, hung out with Mr. Laser multiple times in person as well. And it's just been one of those things where we cannot recommend his website and trays enough. And now that we have the code is even cooler because Mr. Laser can track people that are actually For his finest listeners using the code. And it's good for you because he already has a discounted website and you're getting 5% off an already insanely discounted amount. So uh, I highly recommend it and a good time to pick up your core set or maybe some of these Shatterpoint pre-orders or Marvel pre-orders coming in the the spring, right? Which are going to be big. Absolutely big. So make sure to get on that with Mister Laser, and of course, iWarGame is our other sponsor that make the best marked mats for MCP in the business. And we recommend checking them out at iWargame.net. dot net. Of course, they have the new volume out with amazing different vistas and maps to play through. And you can use the code FF podcast to get ten percent off your marked mats, and I highly recommend it.
1: I love those mats, dude.
0: I really do. Absolutely. But additionally, Chris, our patrons support Furious Finest at patreon.com slash Furious Finest. If you enjoy our show and like to join our private Discord community, check out our Patreon tiers. We take this time to thank all of our patrons for their support. Of course, you know, real quick, if you're new here, if you join the Patreon, you get access to the Discord. And depending on which tiers you join, you get bonus episodes of the podcast. You get sh- re- reoccurring shout outs on the show. You get one-on-one correspondence with me and Chris if you're a producer. Yeah, it's all there. Check it out. And we would love to have more people. Where about to end the Fury Secret Wars League, because uh, we just cut t- to the top. So in a couple weeks, we're ending that. And we'll be starting a new Fury Secret War League, and we'd love to have you in it. So if you've ever been on the fence about joining the Discord now, would be a good time to jump in if you want to be a part of the league. Also, because the painting gallery with no name, the season's about to end as well. Just a reminder the theme of that is a duel and Marvel, uh, or duel or anything really. Could be a duel in DC, could be could a duel be a in duel Star with Wars. The
1: fates.
0: There you go. Just a spot. <laughs> so, make sure to get your entries into Dr. D very soon. And yeah, these are just two of many things that happen on the discord on the regular basis. And we'd love to have you there.
1: And of course, our patron of the week, our individualized, specialized shout out this week goes to a very special patron, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you so much,
0: Matt. And of course, we cannot do the show without our venture producers, Rich and Sean. You guys really help us keep the lights on, help us pay our bills, keep the production and quality of the show what it is. So And if you'd ever like to join and become a producer and help us do that, uh, check out the tiers. All right, Chris, let's jump into today's main topic, which is all the goblins all the time and
1: the the scariest goblin of all. Yes, we are talking goblins in Marvel with a very special focus on the scariest goblin they have ever come up with, the Red Goblin. Of course, uh, so we'll be tackling this through the lens of Norman Osborn. This will in no way be an exhaustive Green Goblin or even Goblin uh, history. That would require a lot more time than I have got for this particular episode and more time than we – I mean, that'd be a long one. That'd be like a two-hour episode of just lore.
0: Yeah, and we did our Green Goblin episode, and it was very massive in itself, and though we tried to focus on just mainly early Norman – because that's the instance of Green Goblin that we have in the game is this first Green Goblin that Norman's like first unveiling of that. But exactly. obviously, Norman does a lot of stuff later on with the Cabal and the Illuminati and all kinds of oh, stuff.
1: Yeah. Iron Patriot. Uh, the, Crazy. He's, he's died and come back several times, it feels like. He's an incredibly the Goblin, important
0: character in Marvel.
1: Yeah. And Green Goblin, I think, is Spider-Man's number one villain, personally. I know this is up for interpretation. It really is but it's Through his, the comic lens. He absolutely yeah, is. Absolutely. It, he's yeah. He's not necessarily the most popular, but I think he is the, the most intrinsically tied to Peter. He has known Peter's identity since issue 30, I believe of the amazing Spider-Man for reference. We're in the, I think nine hundreds now, eight hundreds yeah. of amazing Spider-Man, not to mention all the other Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, solo comics we've had, but he's, he's, Peter's best friend's father. He's known Peter since he was what, 14, 15? Yep. Something like this. Just intrinsically tied to his life. An incredibly powerful uh, person in business wise. And once he becomes the goblin, he's an incredibly powerful uh, supervillain, uh, physically yep. and mentally. Yep. And just, I. just tied to Peter forever, I believe. And he's been a major factor in shaping the Marvel 616 through the 2000s.
0: Oh, absolutely. And you've also got to think about, in reference to that, Chris, what you're saying, the 2000s, how prominent Goblin was in the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the first Rami Spider-Man, which kind of kicked off this entire superhero wave in a massive way on a grand scale. Shout out to Blade doing it earlier, but you know it's Goblin and Willem Dafoe doing that role so well, and that being the starting piece of now what we know to be the MCU (laughs) in the canon. Exactly, it kind of set the tone too for Spider-Man, so that completely lines up too. That Goblin is
1: a piece that you can never remove from Spider-Man, never. One hundred percent. So let's get into it a little bit here. As Jesse said, we have done an episode on Green Goblin, so. If you want to get more of that early history, we will touch on some of it here, but we're not going to really, really focus on it. But the Green Goblin, of course, is Norman Osborn, the head of Oscorp. He has been depicted since his first appearance in Marvel Comics as being kind of a ruthless, kind of empathyless guy, uh, not a great father, even before injecting the Goblin serum, just one of these guys completely obsessed with work and dominating his area of the business world through legal and illegal means Uh, really just an extension of his ego, right? Just has to dominate whatever he's in. It's not, it doesn't matter how many people he crushes for that to happen, how many lives he crushes, even his own sons. So he will, Norman will become the green goblin after forcing his business partner out of oz once again through underhanded means this business partner was the the scientific know-how so after forcing him out norman will see all of these experimental serums and drugs that he's working on and you know bada bing bada boom we're the green goblin uh, and once he becomes the green goblin his his mind, he's already a smart guy. He's already maybe a genius on a business level. But once he becomes Green Goblin, once the serum is in his system and the transformation takes hold, this madness that is injected through the Green Goblin series serum will focus his mind and he will become a true super genius, super villain genius, I guess. We're not talking Lex Luthor levels here. We are. We, but he is. Yeah. And it's not. Reed Richards' levels, but he is on the genius spectrum. Of course, I would be remiss to say Green Goblin is created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. His creation would also lead to, uh, this is just hearsay, would lead to Steve Ditko leaving Amazing Spider-Man and kind of doing his own thing, which for better or worse, of course. So Green Goblin is around... Uh, He's very Halloween-y because, A, he's a goblin. He throws pumpkin bombs. He rides a glider through the night. I assume he loves fall. You know, he's got fall colors, sort of. Not as much as Hobgoblin. No. So he's going to be a major factor early on with Peter Parker. He's going to come back over and over again. Of course, he's going to kill Gwen Stacy or be very heavily involved in the murder of Gwen Stacy. He's going to just be a bad Dude. Well, we can talk about the duality
0: too, Chris, of the goblin entity, kind of, and then Norman himself when kind of how they intermingle. It's slightly similar to the Hulk Bruce Banner thing, but also the way Norman kind of like takes over times,
1: like Bruce Banner can't do that with Hulk at times either. Right. So just, it depends on which version of Bruce we're at. But for the most part, I think the goblin and Norman have become one, one person. They want the same things. They want the same things. And uh, I, I have reason for believing this and I'll get to that when we get to the red goblin. But I do like this idea of talking about how the goblin kind of spreads. I mean, from a business perspective, of course, he was a success. He was a very interesting character. He's a popular villain. He's a good villain. Great even. But from a financial perspective, we start getting some spinoffs, right? We're going to get Hobgoblin. We're going to get multiple versions of Green Goblin. We I mean, and we talk about Hobgoblin, we've got what five or six people have been the Hobgoblin. Once again, Hobgoblin is a direct spinoff of the Green Goblin. Very different character though yep uh, especially in a secret identity kind of way, but the hobgoblin, of course is going to be orange. I like his coloring a little bit better still rides still rides a a glider, still throws the pumpkin bombs. his costume is essentially the same. he is I think a really good comparison would be carnage to green goblin's venom,
0: yeah, for sure,
1: maybe not with the the power increase. But the madness of Cletus Cassidy is definitely kind of embodied in Hobgoblin. He's definitely insane, uh, very mentally unstable, whereas Norman Osborne might be criminally insane. Uh he mm. might be going through a lot uh emotionally, and I'm not, you know, a mental health expert. I don't want to be diagnosing things, but Norman is a little bit more measured, even in his anger and rage. He's a little mm. bit measured and he's thinking ahead a little bit more whereas Hobgoblin is just kind of chaos a lot of times.
0: Oh yeah. Love him. And like you said, Chris, can't beat that orange and cobalt
1: blue it's combo. True. Uh, it's that's why true.
0: Taskmaster looks so good, right? We talked about this a
1: lot. 100%. Color wheel thing, right? So 100%. But there's not just this. The, the madness, the allure of power is going to radiate from Green Goblin. Of course, Sp- Spider-Man will be involved in the death of Norman Osborn, the first death, it will be, and this is the death we saw on screen with Sam Raimi, right? This is, the the glider has been mentally recalled to Goblin, but it, Spider-Man is in between them. The idea is to take out Spider-Man, Peter Sense starts tingling, Spider-Man jumps, and Goblin is impaled. Uh, This, you'll see this reenacted several times throughout the history of the Goblin. You'll see it reenacted a lot in other media. This is the, the death we got on screen with Sam Raimi, excellent scene. But from this, the Goblin madness will spread to Harry, right? And, And you have to understand what's kind of crazy about this is that after injecting the Goblin formula, Norman has been, absolutely worse to his son than he ever was just as Norman. He was always not good and a neglectful father, but he absolutely starts becoming antagonistic towards his own son through this time. And then after his Norman's death, Harry will take up the mantle of Green Goblin and become, you know, go through this injecting of the serum. He'll become the Green Goblin and become another one of Spider-Man's just Ultimate villains. Like I said, the person changes, but Goblin is still there. It's this theme through through Peter's life. He cannot shake the Goblin. So then we're going to get the clone saga. And during the clone saga, it's going to be ultimately revealed after some retconning, some kind of weird retconning, that Norman was kind of running this whole thing. He's back and he's running the whole thing. He's officially back in Peter Parker's Spider-Man number 75. But Peter's going to take him out here, man. And this is going to directly kind of lead to a lot of things in uh, in with Marvel. Peter is going to uh, – eventually, after several more battles and things, Peter is going to inject Norman with some nanotech. And these nano- nanites are going to be in Norman's bloodstream and essentially keeping the change from – To green goblin from happening it's just completely negating the goblin serum norman is in complete control of his mental faculties and here's what's kind of terrifying about this norman osborne is shaken free of from the goblin madness but he wants it back he misses it he's a he's a man completely broken by the goblin this this entity this serum this this other in his mind completely destroys his life and the lives of those around him and the lives of his love, quote unquote, loved ones. And he misses it. He wants it back. He go, he begins this quest to become the green goblin again. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm skipping, I'm skipping forward quite a bit. Um, this is skipping all of the awesome stuff that happens with hammer. This is skipping, you know, the iron patriot, all of this stuff, but that's not green goblin, right? It's like a drug that he can't shake, right? I mean, yes, he has to have it. Uh, and and it's, it's even, you know, he does come back as the Goblin King for a bit. That whole thing is not necessarily about the Goblin King is not necessarily about Norman though. Excellent. Excellent. Little story arc though. Everyone should read it. <clears throat> but due to these nanites, Norman is looking for a cure. He has Got to get the Green Goblin back in his life, back in his mind. So it's all going to begin in Amazing Spider-Man number 794. Norman Osborn is going to come in control of the Carnage symbiote, which is another completely terrifying Marvel character, especially when he's bonded with Cletus Cassidy, And it's a lot like... We see this with Venom a lot where he takes on the symbiote is truly truly affected by its host. For sure. And the Carnage symbiote is 100% screwed up from being bonded to Cletus Cassidy for so long. Cletus oh, yeah. Cassidy being an empathyless sociopath. In- sociopath. Thank you. 100% just just doesn't mind the the pain and suffering he inflicts on anyone else. He finds it fun. Uh, that is truly, truly terrifying to me. Uh, one of the scariest things I think I can think of today is is people that have that lack, you know,
0: yes. of empathy
1: and and just do not mind inflicting horrible things on other people. So, of course, Norman is going to bond with the Carnage symbiote. And he quickly strikes a deal with the carnage symbiote because you have to remember those nano, those nanites are still there. Those nanomachines are still in the bloodstream. So we're going to see a little bit of this Cletus Cassidy influence this just wanton destruction, uh, murder for murder's sake. Eventually, Norman will kind of I don't want to say bring the carnage symbiote to heal. He strikes a deal. Okay. To, to become this more measured thinking ahead kind of supervillain. Norman promises the carnage symbiote destruction on a level that it has never experienced. And the carnage, the symbiote acquiesces, of course. So the first order of business is to remove these nanomachines from the bloodstream. And that is exactly what happens. And immediately Osborn will become the Green Goblin again. But we're not, we haven't seen the Red Goblin yet. The Green Goblin will quickly confront Peter Parker after, after essentially torturing J. Jonah Jameson to to get the identity of Peter back. You know, it's not entirely Jameson's fault. You know, of course, torture is never something you should expect someone to withstand, but he really doesn't one hundred percent say it. It kind of just accidentally jogs Norman's memory. So the Green Goblin will classic, in classic fashion, attack. (laughs) The Daily Bugle going after Peter. Peter will end up winning this confrontation in, once again, a throwback to this this glider impaling scene from so long ago. We're going to kind of relive that. Peter and Norman are going to have a very kind of heartfelt chat for maybe 10, 15 seconds. They're both going to get two or three Lines of heartfelt, you know, I'm sorry it turned out this way. I wish I could have saved you, blah, blah, blah. And then that's when the magic moment happens. This is when the carnage symbiote and green goblin serum meld, So that it's this kind of spurred on by the grievous wounds that Norman takes. They're going to finally meld, truly, truly become one. And this is when we get the Red Goblin, of course. I think you've probably all seen pictures of the Red Goblin. Very interesting character design. Very good character design. But this guy is is seriously uh, <laughs> an Omega-level threat. Uh, this is the genius of the Goblin Serum. The strength, the reflexes, uh, the madness mixed with all of the powers of the Carnage symbiote. The, yeah. The the shape changing, the I mean, just everything. I mean, we know what Carnage can do. He's also going to enhance the strength. Yeah, he's also going to bring his own version, its own version of madness to Norman. Uh, And and these two working in concert with each other are just completely unstoppable. Even for Spider Man, Uh, Spider Man has no hope here. And so, what this is going to do is this is
0: also even takes over. The pumpkin Norman's bombs gadgets and yes. the glider
1: and the glider. Well, the glider becomes Norman. Yeah, the glider is no longer uh, an accessory Norman needs because he just shapeshifts into the glider. It's crazy. It's nuts, yeah. kind of stuff, right? And not yeah. only that, the pumpkin bombs are part of the symbiote and yes. they speak now. They, they, it's they incredible. are not just they are not just thrown projectiles. They are self-propelling, semi-autonomous. Uh, they can carnages. speak. Little yeah. carnages and they can bite. Terrifying. It is. It is truly a terrifying thought to mix these two supreme villains into one. And he grows a prehensile tail. He does, uh, similar to Nightcrawler. And it it that, looks very reminiscent. It's it very kind of a devil forked tail. He's got, but the, it's another limb he's got now to work with as well, well. I mean, he's carnage. He's got as many limbs as he needs. Oh, of buddy. course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah. So we are quickly, you know, Spider-Man's going to retreat. Red Goblin is going to get up to his own kind of things. His first order of business is going to chase down his son and his wife, who clearly Peter, Peter, and Jameson have hopped on the phone and let everyone know about this threat. We are gathering the Spider family. We're gathering, you know, we're we're putting guards on all of Peter Parker's loved ones. I mean, we've got Silk, we've got Human Torch, we've got a newer character named Clash, we've got, of course, Spider-Man Miles Morales, Flash Thompson as Agent Anti-Venom is going to be heavily involved in this. Nice. Uh, and, And the long story short is Norman Osborn takes all of these people out. Like just in the snap of a finger, crazy. I mean, Human Torch is another Omega level threat, and theoretically should have the upper hand on a symbiote being a fire kind energy. of, yeah. yeah, an energy kind of thing. But here's the problem with Red Goblin: he doesn't have that weakness for the whatever reason. It, we're gonna we're gonna call it a result of the the Goblin serum. Is yeah. I think the prevailing thought, but you know, just truly a terrifying, terrifying character here. So here is the next really horrifying piece of this puzzle. Harry. We've talked about him. Norman's son. He's got two children. And Norman has been obsessed with his legacy since the goblin took over in, in I mean in the sixties. He's been obsessed with a proper successor. And of course, that is part of what drove Harry to being Green Goblin and, and all these horrible, horrible things that have happened. He doesn't want Harry anymore. He wants his grandson. He abducts his grandson Normie and infects Normie with the Carnage symbiote, creating the Goblin Child. Mm. Absolutely horrifying. Yeah. Um, and and it's terrifying on the page too. The art is very creepy in the right way. I mean, you want yeah, to yeah. be creeped out on this, right? For sure. It's just truly, truly like horrifying things. Red Goblin. We're going to have we're going to have a few more fights. Um, And eventually this is going to lead to uh, Venom being involved. Yeah, of course. This is Eddie, Eddie Brock's Venom. He is here. He's going to be here. And, you know, after Venom and Spider-Man get their tails handed to them by Red Goblin very quickly, Eddie and the Venom symbiote come to a realization that it's going to take Spider-Man. It's going to take the black suit. Yeah. Okay. So the Venom symbiote, jumps over to Peter, really before Peter can even stop it, because he doesn't want this, right? No. And we're going to march on towards our final confrontation, and unfortunately, this final confrontation is going to involve the death of Flash Thompson. Uh, the 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 Red Goblin will end up killing Flash after Flash heals Spider-Man a little bit. So Spider-Man is they dealing him. suit is all about healing yeah 100 i love the anti-venom suit it's something i need to learn more about too same it's incredible
0: also flash has more control over that symbiote well and the the symbiote's not as powerful it 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 has less identity for sure
1: yeah um and the symbiote isn't kind of a combat monster like all the other symbiotes it's it's more of a support piece and doesn't really even have the same you know uh, morphing capabilities and things other symbiotes, if I'm correct on that, I might be wrong. Uh, I'm not an expert on anti venom, but uh, eventually we're we're going to get this 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 final confrontation here, Jesse, and it's really good and of course, I want you all to read this I, I have left I've left a lot of little details out of this, and i'm I'm very much skimming. but I think Peter wins in this confrontation, defeats this red the red goblin initially here the only way he can and that's by being peter you know he really goads norman and the red goblin really goading his ego into fighting sans carnage you know he he really plays upon the oh do you really want people to say that that carnage is back or do you want them to fear the goblin Yeah. You know, who's really doing this what are people going to say so Spider Man, Spider Man. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and you know he removes, that ego and that arrogance exactly. of his villains, and he he plays right into that. He removes the Venom suit himself, and he says, "Let's do this one on one. Let's let the people really know." And of course, Norman just capitulates quickly. Uh, and and to illustrate the difference in the two characters too, and the and the the two symbiotes and the the alignment of the 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 hero. And his symbiote and the disalignment of the villain and his is that the Venom suit willingly just backs off after just hearing a simple trust me from Peter. Whereas the Carnage symbiote has to be physically ripped off of Norman Osborn himself. Yeah. Of course, this is going to lead to Peter winning the day. But Red Goblin's not. He's not gone forever. Uh, <laughs> no. He will. He will show... He will show back up and we're not really going to touch on that. That is for another episode uh, perhaps, it. but this is kind of, this is the outline of the story that I just, I you know, the the Red Goblin character 100% fascinates me. I didn't know a ton about it and this was a great opportunity to learn about it. And honestly, Jesse, truly a terrifying character with these two, two levels of, Two flavors of horrible, horrible people and things becoming one entity is truly a terrifying thing.
0: You already had two of the scariest villains in Marvel, right? When when Carnage is at the height of his powers and goblins at the height of his powers and you push those together and the level of madness, like you said, that's a curveball in the whole equation where you didn't think that either one
1: of them could get more aggressive, but they do. Because it's, it, it's a support multiplier. 100%. And like I said, to, to me, it's bringing two different flavors of psychotic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one's a little bit more planned and one's more just chaos. Yeah. And Norman, of course, just always obsessed with various things, you know, uh, Spider Man, the defeat of Spider Man, hating Spider Man, you know, things like that. <laughs> carnage just wanting wanting carnage constantly, and of course he yeah. also hates Spider Man. All the villains do, but yeah, Green Goblins is on another level. It's it's border, you know, it's it's almost obsessive compulsive. It is for sure.
0: Ah oh, man, this design too of this character. I mean, one of the oh, better so good designs in recent history. I mean, it sticks with you. Obviously, I'm biased, Chris, because I love the symbiote stuff. But I honestly, since Venom came out, somehow these artists that have worked on the symbiote stuff over the years, you know, starting at the beginning all the way to now, they have always nailed a new symbiote. They've always nailed a look. They've always made them look different and iconic, right? I mean, it's like you literally go from like Venom to like Scream, right? And then to like Carnage and then all the way to like an Null now, right? That's like
1: the full spectrum and everything in between. Oh, there's there's a ton of symbiotes out there a these ton. days in between. And I think they do a really good job of mixing it up and giving... Giving them more identity, you know. Yep. Because you see early on with Venom into Carnage into Scream, and then that second kind of wave, Post like Toxin, Sc- and yeah, uh, they they all have that very similar look. But then you start getting into more of the the newer ones. Uh, I think I can't remember the the symbiote's name off the top of my head, but he appeared pre during the Null stuff or right before uh in Venom Space Night. Very interesting design. And now we're on to this Red Goblin, which is just a complete departure from anything else we've seen symbiote-wise. And I think that's great. Uh, I think the, there's a lot of room to play with these symbiotes. I don't think they always need to follow these same conventions at this point, especially with how much the the symbiote wielder's mind and the symbiote kind of work in conjunction I think there's a lot of room to play with character design because it's going to be more of a manifest. Their physical form yep. is going to be more of a manifestation of their psyche and how they want to be perceived. You know, at this point, so I think you can really, really play around with it. Oh, absolutely.
0: And it's part I've always been fascinated with too is the levels of personality within the symbiotes too. Like you said, some are just pretty agnostic, and some are all the way to Venom, where Venom is his own person separate from Eddie, right? And Eddie and Venom are two in one. And yeah, that part's just very fascinating. Obviously I spent on like classic, like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde stuff, but like taking it a different direction altogether. And I mean, obviously now we have the King and Black story finished sort of in its completion and like all the symbiote stuff that happens there, right? It's all very Marvel adjacent. I brought up Noel, every one of these Halloween specials because he's awesome. null is one of the most halloween things in marvel he just is <laughs> they really went for it with him and executed it quite well and yeah i just it's always fun to do this series and you know we'll return to it again next year and hopefully on the primary feed on the primary episodes we get to do maybe a different goblin in the future right maybe not red Goblin. i'm
1: i'm i'm really thinking that we should have a Hobgoblin in this game. 100%. Yeah, I'm, that, that's, c- I'm calling that's for a guarantee. it. I Has- don't know which version it is. I would love to get a Hobgoblin and Goblin King kind yeah. of dual yeah. box. But, you know, that's that's a lot to ask for. And those are two big models with two gliders and and everything too. So, And that's a lot to give the Spider-Foes. So that's a lot to balance and think about. But I'd really, really like to see it. Red Goblin, I don't know. How do you bring him into MCP? You just have to be high threat,
0: right? And they could do it. Very high threat. Like a high threat Carnage Goblin mix. And, you know, that'd be really interesting. But yeah, all the suits are iconic. Yeah, closing out the discussion, Chris, I mean, like we're talking about, like we'd love to see these characters in the future, but, you know, there is Halloween stuff on the horizon. My most anticipated model right now for MCP, other than Nightcrawler, which, you know, it's like, come on. But moving past Nightcrawler, my favoritism, it's that Dracula. When I want I want to see his sculpt, I want to see his card because AMG always knocks these fringe characters out of the park f- to me and they make gets people excited and teaches people the character like Dracula even exists in Marvel, right? They might not know. He's my most anticipated model right now to see what, he's, what he looks like. Yeah. i like
1: that i i do want to see what he looks like very very much
0: and the art was incredible they showed like like you said they I nailed know, the sword and looks cool, and, and, looks and cool. Cape.
1: yeah so i'm just curious to see where he's gonna fit in what we're what we're looking at as far as maybe new affiliations or leaderships that we're gonna get with this it's them breaking into a new area area of marvel uh, we've got it a little bit with we'll the midnight suns yeah for sure I mean, but and blade but we haven't truly seen them break into this kind of horror side of marvel and there's just so much there's so much meat on that bone
0: it's exactly what we said last year at this time yep. i mean i mean give us give us a, a jack russell and elsa bloodstone mm-hmm. box right mm-hmm. it, it builds itself give us a man thing standalone box
1: i, I um, man thing is what i want absolutely well, that's, a, most. that's
0: of course what we, you and i both are at this point i think man thing might be the thing that we are unsure if they'll ever do, but it's probably the highest of both of our lists where it's like one of those things where it's like, there's models that w- we want to see in the game, but I have no fear. It's like, we, yeah, I get tired of people saying it online, but it's like, don't worry guys. Surely Dr. Doom is coming. Right. And he'll be incredible, but it's exactly. like, exactly. Yeah. I'm more interested in the things that they could do that they might do because AMG is a crazy company. And they, they, if, if they're willing to say, yeah, we're doing Dracula in the spring or summer next year, well, man, things
1: probability just went up a lot, a lot. And man, thing, I think he is at the top of my. I don't think they'll ever bring this to the game, but I hope they do. List, uh, it's it's him and Strong Guy for me. Oh, that's funny. That's good. <laughs> I I could totally see the doing Strong Guy. To be honest, I think they might. I really think there's a good chance. It just depends on what era. Get like a Strong Guy multiple man box or something. If they give us, if they give us that Peter David, uh, you know. X-factor I will be a very happy boy.
0: The man, they're so creative. They're willing to do anything. I mean, I mean Ben Riley and Gwynham are coming next year, right? It's like stuff that we thought might not see for a while uh, or ever. Like Gwynham, right? So, I who knows, right? Um I mean Every time somebody's like, I'm not sure this model's coming, and you can say, Well, yeah, but then we have Gwynpool in the game, or yeah, but then we have this in the game. You know what I mean? They're willing to be creative and and I love it. So something like the Red Goblin or Man Thing or very well could be in the game and amazing, striking pieces on the table because we know how AMG does sculpts and
1: they would have a heyday with sculpts like this. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And the conversions on Red Goblin, I want to see Whew. I want to see folks, you know, figuring out how to get this. Model breathing fire, perfect, absolutely perfect. Yeah,
0: and just make him even that much more menacing, right? So, but oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit of a goblin sub- celebration today for you to enjoy your Halloween. So, Chris, if if I were to read this
1: run and learn about the Red Goblin, what would I read? Well, Jesse, that is a great question. So, everything we have covered today is going to be Amazing Spider-Man Volume One, seven ninety four through eight o one. That's going to, that's going to be this, you know, the introduction to the Red Goblin and this initial story arc called Go Down Swinging, which is very fun, very good. There's, there's a lot I left out. There's a lot of little interpersonal play. There's a lot of stuff between J. Jonah Jameson and Peter that I just didn't get into like, Love it a lot, especially for their relationship going forward. So there's, there's plenty of reason to read this still. The art's pretty good as well.
0: Well, we also focused solely through our lens today, which makes perfect sense on Norman. But I mean, you've also got to think
1: about this is a Carnage arc as well, right? This is a. It is. This, I I it's really not Cletus feel, Cassidy, but yeah, I think I think the Carnage symbiote of all the symbiotes is maybe the least personal, has the least amount of personal identity because it is kind kill. of it's kind of an extension of Cletus Cassidy And you know, when it's on Cletus Cassidy, that's I feel the full realization of. Carnage, the Carnage character. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that symbiote has had enough. You know, they've been playing with Red Goblin for a while now, so maybe that is kind of changing. Maybe the symbiote's going to become more of a Norman Osborn extension. They also played with Carnage, obviously,
0: no spoilers, but I mean, in a big way in King of Black as well.
1: Yes, big time. Because uh, Venom and Carnage are obviously at the center center point of that arc. And I'm admittedly still behind on that one, so... Uh, that is that is something I need to get caught up on and read fully because it is very cool. <laughs> it's very cool. Give
0: me null in this game. Make us it really. It'll high. happen, man. It it has to happen. Yeah, we got Dormammu. I mean, they're willing to do those type of threats and and you know and bring them into the balance of the game, right? It's like of Absolutely. course Dormammu is in the scheme of our worldview through the comics of Dormammu's power level and the game coalescing. Dormammu could have easily been way more than eight points. You know, he could have been twelve or something, but that's just not going to work for the game. Like to play right. the game, so they always make concessions. And today we're talking about pre-recording and a little bit in the episode. I mean this this character is omega level threat, but also we've seen what they do with the cables and the magneto's in the game and stuff, where it's like. Game mechanics come first, right? Over like their highest power of lore or whatever. Once
1: again, snapshots matter too. They're very good at picking a snapshot, but there's also something you have to remember when going against these really big characters, especially comic-wise, Peter Parker beats, he's got all these guys. Yeah. Right? He rotates around them. (laughs) MCP-wise. That's good. That's good. But yeah, he always engineers a situation to where he... Can conceivably come out the victor, and so you have to remember in these that yes, a lot of these villains feel like they're overwhelming you know omnipresent threats, and they should be yeah. it should be world domination, but in Comics Canon, the heroes generally engineer a situation to beat the odds, so you know translate that a little bit to into MCP as well, and remember it's just a skirmish game we 're not always fighting over the fate of the world. Yeah, that the Peter
0: Parker analogy is perfect, Chris, because I mean, in our modern myth and culture we have, that's frequent where the villains are overpowered. I mean, it's like look at look at Palpatine in Star Wars, right? It's like no one comes close to his power level, but he's defeated, right? Because yeah, and because to, of
1: his failings. And to, you know, make another kind of analogy here, it's, you know, John Cena winning every Every match isn't really exciting unless he's overcoming really big odds, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Peter's got to overcome these giant odds. It's, yes. you've got to think. Sorry, love Peter. Oh, no. How's he going to get out of this one? Even though you know he's going to. I love it. So, I love it. That's why we love superhero stuff and good triumph, triumphing over evil in the end,
0: because at the end of the day, a lot of these villains, they always have a glaring weakness. Of like you said, like in the, in this story, it's Norman's hubris. Yeah, you know, it's Norman's ego. Right. Peter plays around that. Right. And right. The the threat level is reduced because Peter's thinking outside the box. Absolutely. So, well, we hope you guys enjoyed this Halloween special. It's always re- fun to return to this every year. Get it out to you around the spooky season. You get to listen to it around this time of year and just enjoy parts of Marvel you might not have thought about before. And we do these so we point these things out to you so you can check them out also follow up from last year because werewolf by night was so incredible the special on disney plus disney plus just released a quasi director's cut of four werewolf by night but it's Werewolf by Night in full Technicolor. So it's Werewolf oh, cool. by Night, not in the black and white format, which I think will absolutely be fun as a second viewing.
1: I would not recommend it as a first viewing. Agreed. I did not know that that was available. That is very interesting. And that is something I would be interested in watching. I thought Werewolf by Night was one of the few wins they had the last couple of years as far as Huge Marvel win. TV goes. Absolutely amazing.
0: Special. If you haven't seen it, definitely check out that black and white version. But I think, yeah, I'm going to be watching that. That color version tonight, Chris, and just excellent seeing what that has to bring to the table. And um, it's cool that they thought that far ahead that that Mike, Michael Giacchino wanted to do both versions. And I really do love that. So well, of course, you can find us all the places online. You can find Furious Finest on Patreon and become a patron and help support us at patreon.com slash Furious Finest. You, you can follow us on Twitter at Furious Finest cast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Furious Finest. And you can email us at Furiousfinest at gmail.com. Of course. Leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify means a lot to us. You guys keep doing it. And if you haven't done that yet, please do that for us because that is the way the world works. I'm going to get more people into Marvel and the Marvel Universe, and that's a way for us to do it. If you leave us for more reviews, more people will find us and find this wonderful game and these comics
1: that we love talking about. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for the show's music. And like Jesse said, help spread the word, man. It really, really, really goes a long way. Every little bit helps, and we are constantly, you know, grateful and humbled by you guys being like willing to do that kind of thing. So I agree. thank you. Thank you so much. It uh, is one of those things too,
0: that like it is a little bit of a hassle sometimes to go in and, and give us the review, but I'd say the easiest way to do it is like, say you're listening to us right now on your phone, just do it while you're listening to us. Right. If, you, if you're already in yeah. the middle of, of waiting in a queue or on a train or whatever it is, you guys send us pictures all the time of amazing places. You listen to our show and just, go to our page and select the review part. And it really means a lot. And um, yeah, you guys continue to support us and that's why we continue to go. And we've been doing this for four years straight <laughs> now. That's wild, dude. Yeah. I started the show in September of 2019 and got Chris on the ground floor in October, November. And you know, here we are October, November. Wow! <laughs> so uh, it's a crazy, crazy thing. Of course you can find us on various spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, everywhere at jesse akin that's j-s-s-e-e-a-k-i-n that's of course discord Longshanks, twitter and check out my show uh hello there a star wars shatterpoint podcast everywhere podcasts can be found and find us online at
1: hello there cast chris where can everyone find you you can find me on the discord i am strong style and my display name is chris finest and most of the mcp servers uh, you can also find me on orange futures an nba podcast with chris and ben uh episode one is out now episode Perfect. two should be out by the time you are listening to this if not it will be tomorrow yeah just it's kind of a, a fun you know nba podcast very casual we jump around a lot and just two guys that love basketball talking about it we um Perfect. I've been friends with Ben longer than I've known you Jesse, which is crazy a long time. So, it's a very cool thing. I'm having a lot of fun with it and uh, you know, if you're interested in the NBA at all, please give it a listen. Absolutely give Chris a listen there and give him a sub and if if you're in the basketball
0: world, I mean what are you waiting for? And of course, as Chris said at the top of the show, I will mention again, I was on the Danger Room. Go give these guys some love. Listen to our WTC episode about our Freedom Force United States team and kind of our thoughts about the format, some some places where we excelled, some places where we maybe missed the mark and just our fun experiences at the con, like Chris mentioned, some of the things we mentioned about the con and our experience, especially if you're interested in like learning more about WTC from the ground forward and maybe even want to go next year check out that show and then future shows we're going to do here on the channel about me talking about my experiences but as chris said that's a full team experience which is captured there in a really good way and uh definitely let them know we sent you from furious finest i'd love for them to get some new listeners from across the pond per se and uh let them know we sent you so well we hope you guys have enjoyed this nice spooky season countdown for Dracula continues. I I just, I can't wait to see what they do with that character, Chris. They could go so many different interesting routes. Right? It's going to be fun, man. And I'm just a, a Dracula nut. I mean, you guys know it, but I mean, I, the lore of Dracula outside of Marvel is means a lot to me. And so the fact that Marvel took Dracula, an iconic character, and did their own thing with him, I love that as well. It, it's like pop culture feeding itself in different ways, right? It's so fascinating.
1: Yes. And I really like seeing that classic Dracula pulled out of... Human literature and stuffed into the superhero universe, and seeing him interact with all these different superheroes and pop culture icons and things is very, very interesting. It's
0: like what Marvel did with Asgard a little bit, right?
1: One hundred percent. And you're pulling from human culture and bringing in superhero world. And now we're here, and some of the best things Marvel's ever done has been involving Asgard with their own twists. So it's, I think it's very cool.
0: It is very cool, and it's also very creative. I mean, for them to like start somewhere and then obviously build it a completely different direction right and that's what they've done mm-hmm. with asgard that's what they've done with dracula that's what they've done with the midnight suns and all this stuff so i look forward to more than our future you know and because i too. think amg is willing to take risks on characters like that and uh makes our show really interesting because we get to cover parts of marvel that frankly like we might not even know much about and especially 100 especially the greater public has no idea about or maybe they've just seen like a picture of that character and that's kind of just stops there right i also applaud disney for making something like world by night like literally making a horror special about unknown characters to the greater mcu public right so i mean i think we're in a good spot if you're into this part of marvel and if you're not in this part of marvel i mean that's fine there's plenty that's not this part of marvel but
1: i'm happy it's here chris i am too and i hope we go further into it well said absolutely so well
0: We'll talk to you guys very soon about WTC and some other fun episodes we have planned. But until next time, thanks for listening, true believers.
1: Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong.